And welcome, 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 welcome to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. It is Friday the 29th, the last day of the month, but it's not the last day for us because we are doing musical Saturdays here. And we scheduled today to have Frederick Chopin, and that's one of Nathan's favorite composers. That's why we picked him. Thank you, Eileen. You're welcome. <laughs> and anyway, so we're going to be talking about him today. We're going to be also using him as the celebrity of the week as well. And so today on the show, we have on one of our very favorite guests, The I call him a musical scholar. I'm not sure if he is or not, but he's also an astrologer. Great combination because I kind of am the same way because I started off as a musician as well. And now I'm an astrologer. So it's just kind of a lateral move across the bend. So... Anyway, we're going to be talking about Frederick Chopin this morning, and there's a lot of things I didn't know about him, but I tell you, I was examining his chart over the weekend, and it was just amazing, amazing, amazing. I kept finding stuff in the chart that I kept thinking I'd see, and so, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff, and so when we come back, we're going to, I'm going to introduce Mr. Michelangelo, as well as we're going to be talking about... Mr. Chopin. Okay, so we will be right back here with the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Organic, free-range, and fresh daily. Alternative Talk, 1150. That is the etude, I believe. I think. Wait a minute. Let me look. Oh, oh, oh. Prelude in E minor. That's what it is. And I think that's probably one of the more famous pieces. And it seems to just wander, doesn't it? And Michelangelo, hello. Good morning. <laughs> hey, Eileen. How you doing? I'm good. You look good today. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I, I like your shirt. Uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> it's one of my my Robert Graham collection. If you Robert, know Graham? Robert Graham. I don't even yes. know who Robert Graham is. Oh yes, very high high fashion men's. Oh well, we missed that line, but that's okay. It seems like things are uh, still Mercury retrograde, uh, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it does look good yeah. on you. It really does. So this. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. This morning we're going to be <laughs> really lovely. Anyway, so this morning we're going to be talking about Frederick Chopin, and um, I was trying to think through my my musical past to remember if I did anything by him. I, now, did he did he compose leader or was it just piano uh, music? Just a few songs, and that's okay. you know, and that's one of the reasons I, even though obviously as a pianist when I was younger, yeah, I worked on the E flat Nocturne, which we're going to hear at some point. You know, as a professional opera singer, I never engaged with Chopin much because he only wrote a few songs in in Polish, maybe some in French. So no, he wasn't a. He was really essentially a, a composer for the piano. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's and, interesting. I didn't even know that he didn't really write anything for anything else, but. I think one of the pieces in there is orchestralized. I don't know what that deal was, but it's a, it's a piano concerto. Oh, so you, obviously you add more than just the piano. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, it shows you how yeah. well I know music. Well, anyway, yeah. um, anyway, so okay, so um, let's give out his date just so you know. And we're not even sure about this date, by the way, are we? You know, if this is actually accurate. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of we got a lot of theories on it. So a lot of different dates. This is one. Yeah, of, as you as you pointed out, a lot of conflicting sources, and of course, our colleague Starkman. I don't know if you looked at Astro Databank. Yes, has I did. That's where I got it. Time. Yeah. yeah, has rectified the birth time. So I actually went with the six p.m. birth time that's in my Sirius three point oh. Oh, that's uh, what I have too. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I but, do. Uh, Stark Starkman did rectify it to five thirteen okay. p.m., which doesn't really impact things all that much, but right. a little bit. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, okay, his birthday yeah. is March first, eighteen ten. Of course, he's a Pisces, naturally. 
at 6 um, quarter p.m., unless it's 5.15, of course. And that's local mean time, and that's in, oh, I can't even say this word. How do you say this word? It's just... Hello, Zoa Poland. <laughs> <laughs> in Poland. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> if you say so. Uh, that's, what it, that's what it looks like anyway. <laughs> I don't, it's not even on there. It's, it pulled up a different, different thing. So oh, I says, okay. wala, hula, hala, hula. I thought it was some yeah. sort of Hawaiian word or something. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, it seems like all words in Poland are pretty, really foreign. So anyway, yeah. he was born there, somewhere in Poland. Actually, not too far from Warsaw. It's actually yes. about 35 miles outside of Warsaw, what it was, something like that. Yep. Something yeah. Like that. So yeah. he wasn't too far from that. So according to this chart, he has Sun and Pisces, and he has Virgo rising and also Capricorn moon. So he's a lot of Earth in him, you know. Yeah. But the cool thing was, I told you I found this, right? And you went, oh, I can see that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, first of all, the three things that I found were, number one, he had a lot of lung disease when he grew up, and he died yeah. of tuberculosis. Okay, and then also he had a six-house son. Yes. And there was something else that I listed, and I can't remember what the heck it was. But Well, you, um, I'm sorry. Oh, go I, ahead, go ahead, if you can yeah, remember. You pointed out that he had um, a stationary Mercury. Now, that is correct. Accor- according to my declinations, it's not quite stationary, but it's certainly close enough to stationary, I think, to be relevant. The other thing that I think is relevant to uh, um, pulmonary issues, of course, is this partile conjunction of uh, Mercury with Chiron. Uh, oh, uh, oh, 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 yep, I didn't yeah, see that. Yeah, I see yeah. my my program doesn't add Chiron on unless you say Chiron, uh, add Chiron, you know, okay, and, so, right. and so I never get that. So, but Chiron yeah. makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. You yeah. know, the wounded healer where he's wounded, you know. Oh, yeah. Most you know, sure, as far yeah. as, you know, his speaking, his ability to talk to people and also to speak the language of music which is what he yeah. did, and he did it beautifully. He kind of found a different route for it, I guess you could say, rather than verbally communicating. He did it through the music. You yeah. know, and I could see hear that in the last piece. And I know that, here's one thing I want to ask you. It seems like every time I hear about Chopin, I hear the term rubato, you know, and yeah. it's it's this slowing down at the peak of something, then it goes back into tempo. It's sort of yeah. taking a pause. It's taking. It's like a pause to breathe is what it is. It sounds like somebody taking a breath, you know, and yeah. um, it, it's all the feelings are in there. I could hear the feelings in the last one, you know, oh, yeah. uh, the oh, sadness, yeah. the deep, deep sadness in him. Yeah. So, I mean, he's really transparent as far as I'm concerned. He really is. And yeah. so, but so is his music. Yeah. Well, respects. you know, three three planets in Pisces, yeah. Venus in its exaltation in Pisces, you know. Yeah. Now, if we if we take the 6 p.m. Uh, birth time as a given, uh, right. we find that Neptune, which is stationary according to uh, really? to my program, it's absolutely dead in dead in the sky. Uh, really, I didn't even yeah. notice that. Well, yeah, I looked I looked at Astro Bank on their separate sheet that shows those things, and it didn't list yeah. Neptune. But it yeah. listed Mercury. So, yeah. okay. okay. Oh, well, all right. Now we know. Well, okay. maybe we should defer to them. But in any case, uh, with that, stationary Neptune is right at the IC of the chart. Right. Uh, within one, one degree, one, one and a ah, half yes. degrees. Yes, yeah. I see that. So, and uh, to me, speaking metaphysically now, whenever I see Neptune strongly angular, this, this indicates people who there's very little separation between them and their environment from yeah. an energetic purpose. I, I knew a woman once who used to work in a corporate environment and uh, she later went into the healing arts. And she told me we were having a drink one someplace when I was teaching a seminar. And she said, you know, when I was in the corporate sphere, when I got angry, I would walk down the corridor of my office and clocks would stop. Really? Right. So there, yeah. So there's this, there's this lack of separation between, particularly I think at the IC, uh, between these people and their environment. And unfortunately, while this may make them very, sensitive in, yeah. from a from an artistic perspective right. it also makes them prone to all sorts of potential malaise because yeah. they can't keep it at bay the yeah. boundaries between them and the world are are right. very frail at best and yeah. of course he was a frail child who was 
prone to illness from an early age. Absolutely. So this makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. And and you are talking to a person who has Neptune one degree from her IC. Well, there you go. Because this is, this is, do, you, do you relate to that? I yes, mean, what I, what completely, I just yeah. completely. Yeah. You know, yeah. now that I'm moving and you know, I actually see my moving in stages. I see myself moving out. I see, uh, let's see, about 45, 55% right now, my soul is completely out of that place and in the new place. Yeah. And as I move further <laughs> out, you know, it keeps getting less yeah. and less. It's like that. I see it that way. You know, yeah, no, and um, uh, my my um, the, where I live is super important for me. Sure, it has to sure. be completely connected to me. Otherwise, it's not good. So, yeah, I'm really yeah. sensitive to my, and, you know, it came from growing up around two parents that try to hide a lot of what they were going through, you know, yeah. and I knew what they were going through, even if all the doors were shut and gotcha. I couldn't hear them, yeah. but I could sense them. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could do a whole seminar on that. Let me tell you. I, I, I bet you could. <laughs> so, but it, it's, um, I can understand why he was so sensitive to everything. And, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, Pisces, you know, Neptune on the IC. Yikes. I mean, he's, he's about as Pisces as you get pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, with, with that Neptune right down the, I mean, it really, I mean, He's just ingrained completely in, you know, he's got one foot here and one foot in the other side all the time, you know, always, yes. always experimenting and looking, okay, I want to find stuff over there and I'll bring it over here type of stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. Surely. I mean, you know, I'm sure you probably feel this, Eileen, I certainly do. I mean, I'm a composer and a writer, but I'm not a voluminous either. I write short art songs, you know, and yeah. Uh, essays. Yeah. And when I look at the charts of novelists and I look at the charts of people who write symphonies or large scale works, yeah. it almost seems to me that they must channel that information. They bring it through. And yeah. for someone like Chopin, who's, who's, you know, uh, melodic line was so mellifluous and so limpid and, and yes. so, you know, limpid uh, is a great he, word, <laughs> you know, uh, you can see that in the watery influence of the Pisces and the, and the Neptune, you know, yes. it probably just flowed through him in an almost yeah. effortless way. Yes, you know, it did. Just to, you could tell by that last, last song, I just kind of was about ready to check out in a minute, you know, kind of float out in yeah, the yeah, universe. Yeah. Really, it really was. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's just really something. So anyway, okay, we have to take a break right now. Sure. And, and when sure. we get back, we'll be having more with Mr. Michelangelo Na and Frederick Chopin. This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. <laughs> This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to NewProSupplements.com, we cover the world of animals. This week, it's an encore presentation of Animal World. Tune in to hear Dr. Nels Rasmussen and Linda Rasmussen taking calls and doing remote treatments for listeners and their animal friends. Because it's energy healing, you can also receive the same healing just by listening and following along. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. On the path to good health and well-being, Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. Oh, I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> I was taken with that one. That is, um, what is this, the Nocturne in E-flat major, I think. And um, it's, it's like you're listening to somebody sing. It's like singing. Isn't it that way for you? Thirdly, I mean, and of course, from this piece has personal relevance for me because it's one of the more advanced uh, pieces that I actually worked on when I was studying piano formally before I quit outright because I wanted to be a rock star. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, it it gave me fits. You know, I was yeah. a, I was a nervous kid, but yeah. uh, you know, it's certainly one of his again one of his more famous nocturnes. There were yeah. so many pieces one could choose from, but I thought that these first two, the Prelude in E minor and the Beautiful. and the you know the nocturne in E flat, would ones that were particularly representative of his, yeah. his style. You know, right now, I think that little saying would be going right on right now. Nathan, this Neptune, you know, you got to do this. 
He finds Today's it. show is powered by Neptune. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he made that for me a few weeks ago when I was so spaced out on my Neptune transit. He made that for me. I just loved it. So anyway. Yeah, I think I know, that's true. I think it, <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, boy, that's been some transit. Anyway, but I do notice, you know, with this transit still going on. It's at 20 degrees here for about in ad infinitum. You know, it's on my son, one degree away, and and I wow. listen to this music, and I just get carried away, just boom, like that. But yeah. it, it's really kind of wonderful, actually. I really do like it. But um, it's wonderful. So anyway, let's let's talk about other things in his chart. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to interject yes, yes, yes. something here for maybe um, neophyte astrologers in the in the audience. This whole yes. idea of the radicality of a horoscope. I mean, how do we determine? When we're dealing with, you know, a chart which in which the birth time and maybe even the date is in dispute, how do we determine whether, um, you know, it describes the individual in question? You know, yes. and and in looking at that six p.m. time, and and you've already remarked on this, I I thought about Chopin, and the thing that that's you know stuck out for me as a medical astrologer, obviously besides his obvious artistic genius and, yeah. and his preeminence as a as a pianist, was the fact that he was so ill. Yes. And so in looking at that, I thought, well, there he is, you know, with this time, sun in the sixth. Yeah, and, and everything thought, else in there, too. Yeah, you know, and Venus, and Pluto, of course. And Pluto. And yeah. Pluto right on the on the descendant, and of yeah. course, opposing the ascendant, which is really the, uh, the conduit for the healthy flow of energy through the body. And I exactly. thought there's an excellent argument, I think, to be made for this 6 p.m. time. When we look yeah. at Starkman's rectification, it brings the sun into the seventh. And uh, and that brings the Mercury Chiron, which, of course, is equally, I think, yeah. uh, suspect in terms of his pulmonary distress, yeah. um, into the sixth. So right. I think there's excellent arguments to be made for both. Yes. Um, but oh. sun in the sixth also... Uh, in looking at the Wikipedia entry, they said ultimately that he probably died as complications of tuberculosis, which included, of course, pericarditis. And yes. that sun in the sixth would also indicate that. So right. I think there's an, a good argument to be made for this 6 p.m. Yeah, chart I would agree that. with that. But, but you know, yeah. also, I would say because of his relationships he had, the seventh yeah. house marks, that's valid, too, because he was married to George Sand, for God's sake, you yeah. know. Or who, whatever her real name is. Anyway, you know, the author. Aurora Dupin. Oh, oh, that's right. She has the <laughs> same last name as my voice teacher. Oh, there you, you go. you believe that? I just thought, whoa, wait a minute. This is getting too weird. So, um, did, did you read about his initial reaction to her, though? He, uh, no, he, he apparently didn't like said her, when did he, he first met, he says, What an unattractive person La Sande is. Is she really a woman? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> So that brings into question, of course, you know, his 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 own psychosexual makeup to a certain extent, you know. Yes, and, I would uh, agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and with that Pluto sun, even though that probably didn't turn out probably the best for him as for having a resilient um, physiognomy, you know, yeah, he yeah. didn't because most of the time when you have that, you have somebody who's extremely strong. You know, but yeah, I, I it, have it, Sun Pluto. Yeah. Well, yeah. see, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but it's Leo, not Pisces. Yeah, that's true. Pisces makes it a little infinitely more difficult. So, yeah. but it still would have brought into his life a lot of transformational change, obviously, Almost which he could yeah, have yeah. grown beyond and moved on and gotten stronger each time things happened. You know, yeah. but I'm not, we're not sure about that. So, um, no. Yeah. So, you know, he does have the, the Virgo rising and the Capricorn moon, some earth there. That helps him. That helps him. Yeah. Gr that helped him ground, you know, yeah. because let's see, what are the balance of his planets? He's got a lot of water, obviously. One, two, three. Yeah. Uh, four. Four water. That's a lot. Okay. We have, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's. Four, four and fire. Yeah. Okay. So either. Okay. All right. Had a, good, had a pretty good balance. Yes, Maybe pretty, pretty, pretty good balance. Yeah, the fire yeah. would have helped too. You know, help yeah. it helped him get in touch with his passions. You know, what is he doing? And he's writing with passion. Probably yes. You can tell I mean, he was. You know, when you listen to it, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon because again, when we think of great nineteenth-century virtuosi, we think of Liszt. Yes. And List, at least in the early part of his career, was really, he was, uh, I mean, uh, what's his name? Oh. 
I, don't I can't know. think of the, the famous director's name now, but of course he did a, a movie about a list called Listomania, Ken Russell, oh, okay. uh, starring Roger Daltrey. And his contention was that List was the first rock star. So here we have this, you know, this flamboyant man who goes out and, and performs, you know, these concerts everywhere in public and uh, women swooning over him and, you know, I mean, all these types of things. But Chopin... After he moved to Paris yeah. in, the, in the remaining, what, 20 years of his life, yep. only gave 30 public performances. I read that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's a, but he, it, he was as highly regarded in his way as Liszt, yeah. even though he was not a public figure. It's right, a very right. interesting phenomenon. And very much in a similar way to say to Schumann, who we've talked about before, oh, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. obviously Liszt, who we haven't talked about yet, but he yeah. was the embodiment of the sensitive romantic artist you know again maybe the very first one to uh uh, emerge and of course schumann himself hailed chopin as a genius uh right shortly after his debut or just shortly before his official debut in uh, in paris so there's a very interesting um concatenation of these highly you know uh accomplished composers lives at this point yeah and you know with everything most of everything below the horizon it shows the introversion that he would have had slightly but then but he was also quite popular you know with a lot of people so i think i read somewhere that you know women of a certain uh, predisposition were were that they'd like nothing better than to go to Chopin's salon and swoon while he, you know, played played the piano. You oh. know, uh, so uh, you swoon, know he had that. Huh? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, the yeah that those those lyrical effusions are highly romantic. Oh, they know? are. And, uh, I just you, you know, just go, oh, you know, yeah. it's a pitter pat of your heart when you listen to that yeah. stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you know, and also. It seemed as though I was reading the stories of him that uh, he seemed to always get financial support from whoever he was with. Um, I think the second gal, I forget her name. I don't know if it was his lover or not. Yeah. But um, she's, she financed uh, Sylvia or something. I can't remember her name. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. And um, it seems as though that since he has Jupiter in the eighth house, that, that would be a fairly decent sort of benefit coming to him as far as being being supported, I suppose, by other people. Yeah, and of yeah. course, with the exalted Venus ruling the second, I think that also provides oh. us with, a, with an excellent uh, yes, uh, true. echo of that, you yeah. know. Um, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's just, yeah. you know, very interesting. Um, well, this is the thing, of course, Eileen, is, is, is the terrible... Um, burden of art um throughout its history is that somebody somewhere has to subsidize it yes you know right. in the at least until the 20th century where we have the emergence of superstar performers who become wealthy on on you know the on records strength of their charisma and their right. recordings you know but in the you know in, in mozart's time you know it was yeah. royal patronage here now in the romantic era we begin to see the, the emergence of a private patronage to a certain extent right, and uh, right. This is, you know, art can, uh, can never really quite um, accrue the, uh, yeah, the, the foundation enough. it needs from the from the uh, enthusiasm of the public, unfortunately. Right, right. You know? exactly. I remember Mozart, yeah. just, he was scraping most of the time, yeah. trying to get people yeah. to sponsor him, you yeah. know, and yeah. it seemed like perhaps maybe uh, Chopin had a bit of an easier time at that, I don't know. Yeah, but um, that Jupiter, that telltale Jupiter up there, certainly helps a bit for that. It would seem. Do you think yeah, maybe? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I have absolutely. Jupiter going through my eighth house right now. It's been interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, it's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, money coming in, is it? Yes, I do actually. Amazingly uh-huh. enough, I'm just kind of, and it's also, I'm noticing different layers of Jupiter right now. Jupiter uh-huh. seems to be. Yes, yeah, so it gives you benefits, but there's also it seems to take the weight off of worry. It's like you just uh-huh. know things are going to happen; it's going to be fine, you know. Oh, so it brings it, that brings that optimism. Yes, know, it that, does. That, it really does. Yeah, yeah. I've really yeah, noticed yeah. that. So it's very cool. So anyway, um, let's see what else can we talk about here. Um, well, let's talk about that stationary Mercury, shall we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I was looking it up, and I said. 
I heard all of his list of complaints, and I just thought it was interesting because I just said, oh, he's got to have a stationary mercury. He has to. You know, and I really didn't know for sure. And I looked it up in, you know, Astro Data Bank, and there it was. There it was stationary mercury. And you see, when when mercury goes stationary, it stays at a much shorter time than the outer planets do. So there's less of a chance of it being stationary, basically. So it's just a couple, three days maybe at the most. And, um, of course, you know, with all the ailments he had, which were all mercury ruled, having to do with the lungs and all that kind of stuff. I just said, well, it must be, and it was. So, um, it, and I have to wonder how well he did communicating with people. He obviously could communicate the music to people. People got it, I think. Yeah. yeah they really did get he, it. Yeah. yeah. No, he, by the age of 22, he was one of the most highly regarded uh, artists in France. Yep. You know, and yeah. he was really just beginning his career in a sense. Right. But, and he did bitter in France, didn't he, then Poland? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, his his destiny was obviously to go to Paris. I mean, I think most artists at that time would have eventually, oh, yeah. as was certainly the case in the 20th century as well, would have migrated to Paris yeah, at some sort point. Of the height of the romanticism, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, and we're really, to a certain extent, we're really in the emergent decades of the romantic era. You know, mm-hmm. it, we're... Uh, Beethoven died in what 1827 right so he's sort of the, the cusp figure uh, Schubert died not long before that and then you know we begin to see things like von Weber writing things like Der Freischutz and we're move, we move then into the romantic era so he's really again one of the archetypes of this emergence yes. type you yeah. know that that emerges at this time again very different from Liszt very different from Schumann you know yeah, but, right. but right. still in embodying this uh notion of the of the you know the tortured frail sensitive artist who right. whose poetic you know utterances reach the world yeah. only at great cost to themselves and that was certainly the case with with show yeah right? right exactly right yeah. okay we got to yeah. take another break here and uh, when we get back we're going to talk some more about mr chopin there's so much to talk about so anyway this is the jupiter rising show right here on kknw alternative talk radio <laughs> And this is a live read for Yodit, and she is a hypnosis and Reiki specialist. Are you stressed? You don't know what to do about it? And would you want to learn more about self-hypnosis and find your inner peace? Reiki master and hypnotherapist, I never can say her name right, Yodit, is is a spiritual coach, energy healer, and healer of healers. She is a board-certified medical support clinical therapist. Wow, big mouthful and has a master's in public health administration with a concentration in complementary and alternative medicine. She offers her services to the general public in person and via Zoom, realizing that so many seek inner guidance, especially those who are going through major life changes and are seeking personal empowerment. She also has several upcoming workshops to assist adults along their journey. One of them is a free four-day workshop from February 15th to the 18th at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. So call Udeet at 508-254-3778 or you can go to her her, her email address, address at, or actually this is her web address at jotihealing.com slash workshops. That's J-O-T-I healing.com workshops to register. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomes Susan Smith-Jones, holistic health educator and lifestyle expert who talks about managing stress from her new book, Wired for High-Level Wellness. On Saturday, the peaceful warrior himself, Dan Millman, joins us to talk about his autobiography, Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. That's really nice. Okay, that is the, what is this again? Oh, my goodness. Share number two. Yeah. Yeah, and and this is the one with the background music. 
backup music, I'm going to call it. Yeah, we didn't actually get to the entrance of the of the piano, but we hear the, you know, the statement of the opening themes by, well, by the orchestra. Nice. And it shows us, again, despite his retiring and neurasthenic and seemingly, uh, what's the word I would use, less than vital nature, he was capable of writing, you know, music of, of, of a fair amount of vigor. Right. And, uh, and, right. and very much conforming with, at that point, you know, the... Uh, the conventions of the uh, sonata form that would have been required, you know, for okay. a major work like a piano concerto. Yeah, that's you know, wonderful. Uh, I was going to say wimpy, but I didn't figure I needed to. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, that would not be nice to say in front of him right now if he was here. Yeah. So yeah. please bear with me. Sorry, Chopin, wherever you might be. So yeah. anyway, okay. And it sounds wonderful. I mean, it yeah, has... no, it's very accomplished, very, you know, yeah. uh, off, very often performed. His two, two concerti, I think, are very much staples of the repertoire to That's a certain awesome. extent. Yeah. It has flavor of Beethoven in it, doesn't it? A little yeah. Bit. Yeah, I can yeah. hear it. Yeah. Well, you know, the shadow of Beethoven hung very heavily over, over the early romantics. I mean, he yeah. really paved the way for the, the emergence of the movement, you know, right. moving on beyond Mozart and Haydn and, and the, the classical uh, right. composers. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty darn awesome. So, you know, I'm kind of interested here. I don't know why, but yeah, yeah. I'm interested in about his sexuality because um, he was thinking that George Sand was a man, you know, like, what is it, yeah. a man or something? You know, yeah. but um, in, he was very frail, so I don't know how he handled that part of himself. But... I'm sure women were swooning over them, wasn't weren't they? You know, yes, no, I no, mean, this is, this... he was kind of a sex god. You know, I hate yeah. to say that, but that just sounds so trivial and trite. But he, you know, with that Pluto sun, that may have added a little bit more oomph to him. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah just yeah. thinking about that. Too bad he's not here now. We could ask him, but when he's not. So, well, you know, you would certainly think that someone of a, of, a, of a sensitive poetic nature, if they were going to form liaison with people, would need someone to hold them up, literally. And certainly San did that for a time. She she took care of him when he was ill. And, yeah. and, and an earlier partner whose name escapes me now also, you know, was, yeah. was a bit more on the masculine side. So, uh, yeah. you know... Uh, it could be that he just simply knew he needed someone a bit more young, you know, right. uh, to offset his extreme yin, you know. Yes, and, uh, right. Extreme yeah. yin is probably not an exaggeration. Yeah. yeah because yeah. he does have, oh my God, he's got Venus, I mean, already by, Neptune. Yeah, yeah. And he's already got a Venus in Pisces anyway. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, and already by his progressed lunar return going into his Saturn return, he's talking about doctors saying that he's dying. Oh, wow. Right. So, so this is, um, this is not a vigorous person and, no, uh, no. he would certainly need just on a, on a purely, you know, uh, level of, of sustenance of the physical body, he would need assistance. So it's yeah. not surprising that, you know, he would be dr drawn to these extremely, um, vigorous and uh less than conventionally feminine uh women yes yes i yeah. mean you're looking at the sixth house presence a lot of it and then virgo rising i mean you know pretty much yeah. they say the ruler of the chart is the ruler of the ascendant okay and then you've got all the sixth house stuff there too so yeah. there had to be something in him and i mean i hate to poke at him or anything like that but it would have to do with him being less than you know yeah who yeah. he was really meant to be because yeah. the six has can be so darn self-critical, you know, mm -hmm. and in Pisces, you know, the criticism is just all over the place, probably, you know, yeah. you just like put it on any wall or something or on the ceiling. It's there, you know. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's too bad he's not here. We couldn't talk to him. Wouldn't that be fun? We could reincarnate them for a day and have them come in the studio. That would be so cool. Sure. sure. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and and again, of course, Mercury as a as a ruling planet does carry with it its own, you know, sexual am, ambiguity. Its yeah. own, you know, uh, uh, that's a point. I mean, I, I I don't want to use the word hermaphroditic, but the the blending of of sexual polarities. Oh, and sure. Perhaps you know, I can uh, see that is, in Aquarius for sure. Yeah, and it, and it is square Uranus, which brings yet again that whole notion of unconventionality, and uh, you know, uh, 
I noted that when he met George Sand, that solar arc Uranus went to his Neptune IC. And I thought, oh, well, that makes sense because this here's this extremely unconventional woman, yes. you know, and yeah. uh, she, she uh, it, you know, um, Uranus passes over his Neptune, of course, which right. has dominion over all those Pisces planets. Right. And uh, so it, you could sort of see the dynamic that might, that might have drawn him in, yeah. even though his initial reaction was, I'm not so sure about he this. He looks like a you know? guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and there we have, you know, sort of the transgressive nature of Uranus and uh, oh, sure. the, the notion that here, again, here we have this extremely feminine man, yeah. but on, on the, you know, the distaff side of that, we have women who are claiming a certain masculinity yeah. at the same time, which maybe, again, wouldn't have been possible In a one without role. the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with yeah, him, so he's going to be so, very recessive, obviously. And yeah, he would yeah. probably attract the woman that is going to dominate him. Yeah. Which exactly. he wouldn't have minded at all, actually. No, no, no. no. I wouldn't no. have thought so. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at a lot of aspects going to, to Uranus, by the way. And yeah. um, that definitely shows his uniqueness and difference and willingness to break out of the particular pattern his society is in that, that they would have. You know, yeah. and so, and he did that for sure. But um, also it has a lot to do with how, how he picks relationships, how he picks friendships, all that stuff, you know. Yeah. And I, didn't he, wasn't he sort of an activist too? Yeah, there's something? Some, something to that. I didn't look into that so much, but yes, yeah. there is that he was very much a, a, a political activist. Yeah, for Polish, you know, for, it was yeah. for Pol yeah. And I thought, well, there's his Uranus. Yeah, and of course, there's Uranus, he, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, Uranus um, actually proving to be a very valuable point for him, you know, to do that. Yeah. But but that also is, you know, it is, does it aspect Mercury too? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It squares it. Square. Squares yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And remembering that that Mercury is stationary, so anything that's touching that planet, you know, by aspect is going to get a hit off of that. So yeah. it's going to be a little more powerful than, say, a normal Uranus is going to be. So is Mercury seems to be, and I was kind of reading, rereading the profile through Mercury's eyes to see what was going on. It seemed like there was a lot of Mercury stuff happening through his life, a lot yeah. of Mercury. And of course, really, his health was really basically Mercury ruled, you know, and Most it greatly. really, you know, I wonder when he was speaking to people, you know, did he have problems communicating what he needed to communicate with people? You know, well, I mean, clearly, if he was, uh, you know, uh, regarded, uh, you know, uh, as someone who was uh, a political activist, he must have been able to communicate uh, yes. that. There's also, again, the, the association of his music yeah. as an expression of, of Poland itself with, yeah. with a certain nationalism. And uh, so that may have been as much... A, a part of it as any actual verbal communication right, right. but with uranus in the third you think uh you know he might might have been he, able to you know muster yeah. a certain political uh impetus at, at yeah. certain times it almost seems like people that have a lot of uranus aspects you know and this is just in general it just means they're they're getting off the shelf <laughs> basically they're moving off and moving into a completely new direction it's something that is obviously tantamount to rebelling against the past you know and and really are thinking towards the future because it seems like the point of view that a uranian has is future always future it is not worried about the present or the past you know yeah. and and of course capricorn is in the past and you know and that kind of thing but it's really something to look at a uranian person i have an, a uranus lady who is now my my roommate She's a, a, an Aquarius. perfect, you know, because I have a North Node in Aquarius. And it's really going to be good because I'm watching her. And I go, oh, I'm going to learn from her. I'm going to learn from her. Mm -hmm. Cool. Oh, this will be cool. You know, how does she do rebellion? She does it very well, you know, yeah. in her own life. So it, it's, it's pretty cool. So he probably had that too, kind of a, an undercurrent of that going on in his life, mo most of his life. Mm -hmm. So... And Uranus, in and of itself, is sui generis, right? It is, it is its own unique expression. And again, it I think we, we, we see that in his approach to musical composition, which was yeah. as innovative in its own way as yeah. as many of his contemporaries, for most yeah. assuredly. 
And and the thing of it too is that innovation doesn't mean loud. I was just thinking. No, about no. That. I, you know, I thought. Well, you think about innovation in the context of Wagner or Beethoven or something because big Stravinsky. expression, big stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. But Chopin's was soft, soft and yeah. gentle. You know. Yeah. But it had an undercurrent of strength and and sensitivity and stability. Had that all going through it. You know, and so I think probably what he did find in himself and and for other people was an unusual approach to music, you know, because it's again, it's like, you know, the singer, it's like singing those lines. You can hear a voice singing those lines. You really can't hear it because it's all because of the rubato effect, which is fabulous. You know, I love it. I've always loved that. Yeah, a lot of uh, music historians have compared, you know, uh, Chopin's melodic line to Vincenzo Bellini, uh, who oh, wrote Norma, yeah. and uh, yeah. they have the same kind of, you know, uh, again, limpid, mellifluous, limpid. extended melodies. And I think there is a, uh, I think there is a connection. I can't remember specifically, but but they certainly shared that same. Yes. And of course, all instruments as i know you know eileen seek to emulate the human voice yes. it is the it is the the summa of all yes. instruments That's and right. uh so they all seek to uh you know uh recreate that yeah like seamless legato which the voice yeah. you know is yeah. singing a natural expression of yeah. exactly yeah. right exactly okay yeah. we got to take another break right now so uh, we will be back. We're going to be finishing up with Mr. Michelangelo on Mr. Chopin, and he wrote me a note. What's that say? Oh, you're going to the bathroom. <laughs> it's my guest in this. Oh, we should uh, <laughs> clarify that Matt Shea is still hanging He's out. He's still from here. The He's last hanging hour. out with me. He's a good friend of mine. <laughs> We're going to go have lunch afterwards. So anyway, um, he has to go to the bathroom. So thank you very much for that break. He's like a good student in the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're going to take a break right now, and when we get back, we're going to be finishing up with Mr. Michelangelo. This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Oh, sorry, I have to read right now. This is a live read for Susan Bergstrom of the Medicare Exchange. Susan is a licensed agent in Washington and Oregon, helping people obtain security in their lives by providing insurance that pays for final expenses and money for transitioning after a loved one dies. There's a lot of information that we need to make a selection of medical plans, and talking to someone like Susan can be a lot more clear than trying to do it yourself. So if you want to talk to Susan today about your medical coverage, she's a phone call away. You can talk to her at 253-318-9379. And you can also get a hold of her by email at sbergstrom at americanseniorbenefits.com. This is Eileen Grimes of the Jupiter Rising Show, and did you know that I do private astrological readings? If you have issues or problems in your life that plague you, perhaps an astrological reading would be just the ticket. I've had more than 30 years' experience in astrology, and there isn't much I haven't seen, so I know I can help you. You can contact me at 206-816-0546 or go to EileenGrimes.com to make an appointment. Thank you very much, and I'll see you soon. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. Well, all I can say is that sounds hard to play, Michelangelo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my word. The Grande Polonaise Brillante, Opus yep. 22. And, you know, we didn't really even get to the bravura passages. Well, I mean, that's enough, let me tell you. Yeah. 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 I'm, you know, there's one piece that he did. It was written, uh, it, it's called, oh, geez, it's Polonaise for E-flat, I think it's called. It's mm-hmm. the, it's the final piece that's in the movie, The Turning Point. And oh, okay. it's yeah. it sort of has that same feeling, you know, this... Uh, mm-hmm. It's so beautiful, but I tried playing it on the piano a couple of times. I said, no, I can't do this. <laughs> it was too hard. It was really difficult. A lot like of notes. Independent you know. hands doing different yep, things. 
polyrhythms. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, there's a, and again, rubato, you know, this is this whole notion, as you alluded to earlier, of, of stealing time. That's yes. what rubato re relates to. You know, there you are going along at a, in a certain tempo, and then you just steal time just before the bar line or before yes. a crucial, you know, uh, cadence. Time. And it, again, this is the essence of romanticism. Um, just to expand earlier on what I was saying about Bellini, I just did a little bit of quick research, and apparently Chopin and Bellini were very good friends. Oh, so that doesn't see, surprise me. No. So they must have talked about the primacy of melody a great deal. Yes, you know, uh, right. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So it's a very interesting connection there, which I wasn't aware of, actually. Well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. probably talk about that a lot, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I did know that Bellini's teacher, Simone Maier, I, had been influenced uh, to a certain extent by, I think, Chopin, if I remember correctly. Okay. So there may be something to yeah. that as well. That's really something. Yeah, I yeah. mean. Um, I, I was just listening to, you know, these two hands, you know, and they were two going on two different tracks. I said, you got to have independent hands to do that, I think. I really do. Well, think he's that. got that, you know, he's got that partile sextile between Venus and Mars. And to me, Venus and Mars is the signature for a, an accomplished pianist. Of course, obviously, it could be many other things. But okay. Mars in its, in its rulership in Aries and, again, Venus in its exaltation in Pisces. You know, there's only 43 minutes of arc that separate them from an, right. an exact partile sextile. Right. You know? right. And that's, so that, to me, that's also got a great deal to do with pianistic virtuosity. That, okay. Uh, that makes that connection. Sense. Between, well, again, between the yang and the yin, because, yeah, you know, a piano yes. is a percussive instrument yes. that one must make sing like the voice. You it's have very, to have very both. Yang. Very yang. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, of course, he added the yin to it and blended the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, so much, I learned so much talking to you. I really oh, well, do. thanks. Well, I, I learned a lot talking to you as well. Oh, thanks. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, heck. But, um you know, thinking of it in terms of male-female and sensitivity yeah. and aggression, you know, the two sides that are opposite of each other, you know, and you don't really hear that much aggression in his music, but it does come out. It's there, you know, and a little Mars and Aries helps too. You know, it's in its own sign, so that helps. And, um, and it's also in his seventh house. I wonder... With a Mars in the seventh, and I don't like to generalize, but I remember I taught a Mars workshop one time, and I said Mars in the seventh is difficult because you oftentimes find partners that a woman chooses who's got anger issues, you know, and they may play it out against her, you know, and this was true for one person that I talked to. So I wonder if that might have played out in his relationships, if they got angry at him for being somewhat passive, for lack of a better way of saying yeah. it. You know, I mean, but, you would think with that extremely vigorous Mars, you know, that, that yeah, that's uh, vigorous. You know, he yeah. would be more uh, assertive, but he, he may have just been sufficiently neurasthenic that he would be rather more on the passive aggressive side. Right, right. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's an interesting thing. I always want to think about the possibilities when I look at a person's chart, how they behaved with that. Like with the Mercury stationary, I want to know how that worked for him. Did he read a lot? Did Was there something about him? that was insatiably curious about things other than music, like metaphysics or, you know, that kind of stuff, because um, Mercury in, you know, in, a, in astrology sign is kind of says, well, let me get off the beaten track here and look at this weird stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and so I have to wonder if he ever did that, because it seems that he may have, because the type of music that he did was so yeah. uh, infant or divinely inspired. You know, I really yeah. have to wonder about that. Really yeah. cool. So that's very awesome. Yeah. So, well, I think, you know, many of our greatest mu musicians, composers do touch the imminent in their inspirations, yeah. even if they aren't aware of it in yeah. their own, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. their own consciousness, you know, right. uh, again, certainly with that angular Neptune, you know, and yeah. in Saggy, of course, you know, I would think yeah. that there would have been predispositions to that kind of, um, Yes, uh, I agree. And connection also, with altered states of consciousness. The North Node and Libra in the second house. I mean, yeah. that's perfect, you know, for yeah. a musician. It really is, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to see what else we might have missed. Oh, you know, the Saturn on the fourth house cusp, that may have been a tough growing up with his father, don't you think? 
Yeah, could be. I'm trying to you know, with Neptune next anything. to it, but wasn't yeah. wasn't there a, an influence from his parents musically? Well, they were both musicians themselves, what, if I remember correctly. That's and, what I uh, thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he definitely grew up in a musical household. And okay. Of course, was recognized as a child prodigy by age eight when he gave his first okay. recital. You know. Okay. So uh, that's very interesting. <gasps> we have two minutes left. Oh my God. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't always go so fast through this. Oh well. So, Michelangelo, as usual, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show to talk about Chopin, which is obviously Navin's one of his favorites, which he requested we do this. So we did. So Glad <laughs> we could do that for you, Nathan. Uh, yes. He certainly was a great composer and yeah. uh, definitely worth discussing his horoscope for sure. Definitely, for sure. So anyway, we're going to have you on again another six weeks or so. Uh, you Absolutely. and I will just try to figure, maybe we'll do list. I don't know, but I don't know. I'm not sure about, oh, well, it's okay. But yeah, he's, he's an interesting life too. Okay. You know? uh, yeah. Well, maybe yeah, we'll choose yeah. him next time. It'd be a good segue. Okay. okay sounds sure. good. We'll do that. Okay. All right. All right, sir. Eileen, my dear. All righty. We will talk to you very soon. And thank you so much for being here. It was my great pleasure. I didn't talk to you again. Very thank soon. you. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye for uh, now. Okay, so now, whatever's left here, we have a horoscope column, which is coming up on Monday. No, yes. Yes, it is. Excuse me, I had to think about that. I already wrote it last Monday for this Monday, so so I could get my free and clear for my move this weekend. I'm moving on Tuesday, and I'm trying to not go crazy. So anyway, uh, so let's see. What else have we got here? Okay, you can get a hold of me at... EileenGrimes.com or JupiterRisingShow.com. You can get Michelangelo. You can find him on Facebook, too, and um, M-I-C-H-E-L-A-N-G-E-L-O. So next week on the show, we have on Ms. Jackie Slevin will be on to talk about all sorts of things that's currently in astrology that we got to talk about. I think it'll be Mercury will be going uh, direct sometime right around that time. So it'll be good. February 5th is the date that it goes direct. So we can talk about that, too. So this has been a great show today. Had a great time. Wish me luck moving, kids, because it's not going to be fun, except it will be if we make it that way. So we will see you all next week right here on the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio.